So for me personally, I just embraced it. Um, I don't I don't look at discomfort as a bad thing. It doesn't matter about, you know, where you come from, your race, you know, any of that. Like if it's something you want to do, just position yourself for it. So we're going to have those conversations, too. All right, you know, this is serious. Like, this is this is not a game. Mm-hmm. It's not Xbox. You know, I can't pause it, you know, restart it. Like, this is life. Welcome to Black History Month Spotlight. This program shines a spotlight on the issues, events, and activities of the African-American students, staff, and faculty on the campus of the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. I'm your host, Wendell Ray, and today we're going to spotlight the African-American Studies Program at UWO, with Dr. W. Denae Powell, who is an assistant professor of African-American studies. Thank you for so much for being here with us today, uh, Dr. Powell. It's good to have you. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. So tell us a little bit about uh, who you are. Uh, this is, um, you've completed one semester here now. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, but tell us about who you are and how, what is your path to UWO? Oh, man. Um so I, I came here in a very roundabout way. So I'm originally from Mississippi, small town Bassfield, Mississippi in South or South, S-O-U-F, <laughs> South Mississippi. And I got my bachelor's in art education from Tougaloo College. Shout out to all the HBCUs. Um, got my master's from the University of Houston, got my PhD from the University of Louisville. And because I'm also a part of the National Council for Black Studies, I knew Dr. Alfonso Simpson um, as a grad student. And so when I got on the job market, I started looking at different locations, who was hiring, because prior to graduating, I was like, I got to find a job because I got student (laughs) loans to pay off. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so I saw the job posting and I went to the website, went and found the program. And I was like, I know him. I can work with him. I've I've seen him before. Like we sit on the board together. I'm a junior board member um, for NCBS. And so I applied, I got the job and you know, here I am. And so I I have my background in education, but also arts, leadership and marketing with, but I specifically look at um, black people, black media, the ways in which that black people, specifically black women are depicted in media and how that shapes not only individuals interactions with us, but our interactions with each other. Mm -hmm. And so my research is designed more so as conversation pieces rather than, you know, the traditional academic hardcore reading because I want to do things that people can take and have conversations with other people and it changes how we interact with each other. It changes the way that, you know, we see somebody on the street and we say, hold on, wait, let me pause for a second. Like, why am I looking at this particular person a certain way and I don't even know them? Okay. And so I try to do my work in a way that is still very people focused that, you know, people who don't have PhDs, masters, or even bachelor's degrees can pick up, read, understand, and then apply it, whether they even realize they're, quote unquote, applying or using it or not. Okay, we're going to dig a little deeper into that in a yeah. second. But uh, so you're from Mississippi? Born yeah. and raised. Okay, very good. And uh, is this something you always wanted to do? Did you always think you were going to follow an academic path? Or Absolutely what was not. Your, who was Little Danae? <laughs> Um, I was all over the place. I actually ran from education. My mother is an educator. Um, She's a retired teacher. My dad, um, he used to teach pre-K. And I specifically remember 
when we used to have career day at school, you know, all of my teachers, because they knew my parents, they specifically knew my mom because she right. was in the school system. I was like, you want to be a teacher? No. I'm like, kindergarten and first grade, I absolutely do not want to teach ever. I will never become a teacher. Never say never. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, I came into teaching um, my junior year of undergrad. Um, it's kind of a sad story, but there was purpose behind it. Um, I lost both of my grandmothers okay. two and a, two weeks uh, apart from each other the summer before my junior year started. I was, I was distraught. I had no idea what I wanted to do, what I was going to do. Like, I felt empty. And something in me, you know, the connection that I had with my mother's mom, um, who's actually, she's who I'm named after. My first name is actually Wilman, so I'm named after her. She's a, She was a self-taught painter, and so she used to let me paint with her. And so she taught me you know, how to hold a brush, how to paint. She taught me those things and she herself was self-taught. Okay. And after losing her um, specifically, I, I literally woke up one morning and I went to my advisor two weeks before classes started and I told her, I want to change my major. So fun fact, I actually started off in radio, TV, and film. How about that? See? And so I, I interned um, my sophomore year at a, at a radio station, loved it, had fun. I knew that like this wasn't something that I really wanted to do. I had a blast, yeah. but I couldn't see myself doing it. So I had no idea what I wanted to do anyway. So I went to my advisor at the time and I told her, I want to change my major to art education. She said, what? I was like, I want to change my major to art education. I want to teach kids art. Okay. And like that was where my career in teaching started. And so we changed, we changed my major you know, we, we started filling out curriculum forms. I had to have meetings with the provost because no one had actually majored in art education in like almost over a decade. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. And so I had to start doing research. Didn't know I was doing research. I'm just Googling things to plead my case. Okay. Like, let me do this and then let me get out. Because I was on an academic scholarship and I was determined to graduate on time because I didn't want any student loans sure. from undergrad anyway. <laughs> and so like I, I did this research, I brought in, you know, like I can do this, I can do this, we can do this type of course and these type of independent studies. Here's what I can read. These are the assignments that you can have me do. Like I went through this whole thing, didn't realize I'm doing, you know, curriculum development. I didn't know that that's what I was doing at the time. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So I should have been paying you. Hello, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and so the provost agreed. Um, my, my two department chairs, they both agreed to allow me to go and complete the program. And, and I did. And that was how I got started in teaching. And ever since then, like, it's my teaching turned to, like, a love for teaching about black art, black history, black aesthetics, black culture. And so going from just artwork and what do things look like to like the, the art that we see, what does it say? And based on that meaning, like how do we interpret that? How do we engage with that? That has turned into like my path as, you know, a higher ed academic and a scholar. And tell us about uh, the transition from Mississippi to the, the wonderful winters of Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm not okay. <laughs> I'm not okay. Um, and my, my transition has been funny because I went from Mississippi to Houston 
And, you know, I, I was sweltering, but I loved it because I'd rather yeah. be hot than cold. I loved Houston. Um, I have family there. I have friends there. And so after my master's, I ended up going back to Mississippi, taught middle school. I'm not going to say I'll never do it again, but Lord, give me strength. That was a I won't test. go back to middle school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I went to Louisville and it was cold in Louisville. Like yeah. we got some snow. I remember um, that was when I learned how to go and buy a coat. I learned what a <laughs> what a coat was, or so I thought. <laughs> yeah. And then we moved here, and it was cold in September, and that was new to me. It's still new to me. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Now, what is cold to you? I mean, I'm from the Midwest. I always lived in the Midwest. 60 so. is cold. 60 is cold? 60 is cold. Oh, child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then this was a rude awakening for you. And see, it was very deceptive because when I came here for my interview, you know, it was all bright and sunny. It was, it was cold. You know, the wind was mild, and it it was inviting. I was like, okay, I can do this. I, that was fine. But see, what we got, what I got last year in February, compared to what we got, you know, like just a couple of weeks ago, yeah. With, yeah. what was that, like sixteen inches of snow? <laughs> see, that was deceptive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, hey, yeah, you'll get used to it. You'll love it. You'll come to love it. At least uh, I know I have. So um, you got a good coat, though. I like boots. I, I'll give you that. I like boots. I like my little coat. It's, it's cute. It has grown on me. Okay. Well, don't you know? Make sure you get a a coat that works because you oh, don't yes. you, you don't want cute doesn't work oh, look, against. The, I learned that um, in September. Yeah. <laughs> I learned that in September. Yeah. So tell us about what it is that you're teaching here at UWO. Tell us about the courses that you are uh, teaching. You mentioned the, the passion that you have and the direction that you decided to go into uh, when you were in undergrad and graduate school and then pursuing your Ph.D. So tell us then how that has translated into actual coursework and what you're teaching here at UWO. Yeah, so in the fall, um, I taught three brand new courses, um, the Black Female in the U.S., Black social movements in the U.S. and Blackness in American visual culture. And so all of those in a manner are different aspects of like what I love to research for personal reason, uh, for personal reasons, but also things that, you know, I research that have turned into like teaching passion. So teaching the black female in the U.S. was an opportunity for me to have classroom conversations about the ways in which black women navigate being both black and woman in America. And so there's a particular way that we have to navigate um, and try to, you know, as the book said, as the book that I use, um, Sister Citizen, stand up in the crooked room. So we have to navigate different stereotypes, you know, um, racial and genderized inequities. Like we have to navigate those things differently than, than black men and white women. And so we, it's, it's always a back and forth. And so I was able to have, you know, really solid conversations with my students about what does that look like? You know, how are we as individuals and collective groups, like how are we playing into that model, you know, and recreating these same situations? Um, teaching black social movements, we looked at that, you know, as an opportunity to say, you know, based on where we are right now, looking at Black Lives Matter, how did we get to Black Lives Matter, you know? And so we go back and we look at, you know, the Black Power Movement, the Civil Rights Movement. Um, we look at the Back to Africa Movement. We look at all of these various ways that Black people have tried to fight for liberty and liberation and, you know, just simply be seen as human. And so we look at like, you know, like what did they do in the past 
compared to what we're doing now? What are, how are how is our fight similar and how is our fight different? What has and hasn't changed, you know, since emancipation and, and in some cases since before emancipation, right? And so with um, Blackness in American Visual Culture, that was a brand new course that I never even thought about teaching until back in June when it was proposed to me. And so we looked at that and to say, how are black people depicted or in, in how many ways and what all ways are black people depicted in media, whether it's film, TV, movies, um, music, music videos, art, advertising. We, we even looked at fashion, right? Mm -hmm. And so there were so many times where my students were like, I never thought about why we see so many black, specifically black women in music videos that are half naked compared to if you look at women in other videos, they're not. Or, you know, like, why is it that our predominant black male rappers, why do they talk about, you know, killing and stealing and drugs and things like that? And you, you ask the question, well, why don't they just stop? Well, then you have to ask the question, well, who's paying them to keep talking about those things? Look at who's running that industry. So we talked about those things um, last semester and then this semester, three brand new courses all over again. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So you've been real busy Super writing courses. Yeah. Absolutely. So this semester, um, I'm teaching the other half of intro, which is um, 150. So we're looking at African-American studies. And so we're looking at African-American history from the Harlem Renaissance until now. Okay. And so we'll go through, you know, some periods of time. We're looking at music, family, um, healthcare, we're looking at housing disparities, you know, like the wealth equity gap. We're looking at all of those things and police brutality. What what has that looked like over the over the course of, you know, this past hundred so years? So I'm also teaching um race racialization in reality TV, which is very specific to my dissertation. So I'm super excited about that one because we're looking at how race is depicted and how racial stereotypes are depicted in various reality TV shows that you would think it's reality TV, therefore it's real. And so I'm pretty sure my students are gonna, their jaws are gonna drop when yeah. I tell them like, reality TV is also very scripted. Very staged, yeah. <laughs> And so we're, I'm excited about those conversations. And then I'm also teaching um, what, a quest course here, I'm teaching a quest two course on race and professionalism. And so we're gonna be looking at microaggressions at work, again, the education and wealth, um, wealth equity gap. We're gonna look at career paths, who's expected to go into certain career paths and who's expected to not be there. And so part of that conversation um, is also personal to me. You know, I'm, I'm a 30 year old black girl from Mississippi who grew up walking on red dirt roads. I don't look like a typical professor. And yet here I am. Mm -hmm. And so I want to have these candid conversations with my students to really hone in on you don't have to be and you shouldn't desire to be a pigeonhole negative stereotype. If, if you want to be that engineer, if you grew up on red dirt roads, do that. You know, if you want to travel internationally as a consultant, you can do that no matter who you are, where you come from, what you look like. And then we're gonna talk about how do you position yourself to be in those positions? Like there were certain things that I went through, like I'm a McNair scholar. So even in oh, undergrad, great. yeah. Um, shout out to the McNair program here at UWL. Mm -hmm. So even in undergrad, like I was positioning myself 
to be able to, you know, go into higher levels of education and career fields. So what does it look like to know where you at least think you want to be and then start positioning yourself to go there? It doesn't matter about, you know, where you come from, your race, you know, any of that, like, if it's something you want to do, just position yourself for it. So we're going to have those conversations too. Let me ask you this uh, before we hit this break. So let me ask you, what was the reaction? You mentioned, touched on it for a second, that there was sort of a revelation for some of your students. But I'm thinking about all the different courses that you taught that first semester. How much teaching did you have to do? In other words, how much did these students come in having somewhat of an understanding <laughs> of what uh, was going on in these three different areas that you taught, social movements, stereotypes, and so forth and so on? Did they come in with some understanding? Were they completely, uh, was it all completely um, new to them? Some of my students came in with some knowledge of like, you know, even if it's just minor historical instances. Some students came in more so with assumptions of what was or wasn't, what we were gonna talk about, what the conversations were gonna be. And some students came in and they had no idea okay. what we were gonna talk about. And so that was kind of hard to navigate because I had to create a classroom environment to where regardless of what someone you know already does or doesn't know, we're all going to learn something new, myself included. Sure. Like my students taught me a lot about, you know, what it means to be, you know, a student in this generation, you know? So I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm 30 years old. Yeah. But. <laughs> and so that's not too far removed. It's but not. There but it's are differences. Far so yeah, yeah, I get you. I understand that. Okay. You're listening to the Black History Month Spotlight. Today, we spotlight the African-American Studies Program at the University of Wisconsin-Oshkosh with Dr. Danae Powell. I'll be back with more with Dr. Powell following this message. And welcome back. This is the Black History Month Spotlight. The Black History Month Spotlight is a production of 90.3 WRST-FM in cooperation with the African-American Studies Program on the campus of the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. I'm your host, Wendell Ray. Today, we spotlight the African-American Studies Program with Dr. W. Danae Powell. <laughs> I messed that up the first time around, but uh, so glad to have you in the studio with us today. Uh, Dr. Powell, you mentioned, um, well, let me say this. That's interesting because I remember uh, when my nephew went to school, uh, he's senior now in college. And I remember expressing to him something that I learned when I was uh, in college and an undergrad. And I told him, you're going to learn as much outside the classroom as you're going to learn in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that one of the things uh, in your courses is that you learn from the students as much as you're uh, giving to them and exposing new ideas and information uh, to them. What are some of the things that, that, that you learned from your students? Um, one thing that I've learned is what they're concerned about. Like, they're, what, what are they concerned about, you know, as undergrads, as young adults, you know, what do they see for their futures? And so learning about 
what concerns them, what they're interested in. It helped me in certain cases, almost kind of like restructure some of my lectures and some of the content that I chose to include because I want to make sure that while I'm in this position of power as an educator, that I'm doing what I can to support my students. And so I have a sense of pride about, you know, learning that they're concerned about global health issues. They're concerned about the environment. They're concerned about, you know, like what various wars are doing to our country and to other countries. And so I'm proud of them for being engaged in those conversations. But my heart also goes out because those are heavy. Those are real heavy conversations. And, and compare so, that to when you were an undergrad. I were, <laughs> and I don't mean to say that you were clueless, but I mean, because I, I, get, I get it. Because yeah. I don't think what uh, I know I wasn't that connected or tied in mm. necessarily to global issues. Uh, but the point I'm trying to make is that you're not that much older right. than the students that you're teaching. But there's still some revelations for you even uh, at your age. Yeah. Um, no, to be quite honest, um, I was not as up to up to speed and up to par with global issues. Um, when I was an undergrad, I was concerned about going to other countries um, to experience new culture. Yeah. Um, but outside of like experiencing new cultures and, you know, having my heart go out to various um, people, groups of people in various locations about, you know, like some of the things that there were that were going on. I was I will be honest, I was not as tuned in as these students are. And I think that's that's the nature of like just how global of a world, you know, how, how connected we've become as a as a global people. You know, we, we have the ability to connect e more easily, you know, to people in other countries, to people that we don't speak the same language as like we have apps now where you can yeah. be in convert. You can be in face to face conversation with someone. You can, you know, hold the app up to someone else's mouth. And the, the app will translate to you what they're saying in a language you can understand. And then you can respond to them and the app will then translate to them what you said. I don't think <laughs> that there was something like that that, no, that, that would do like on site when Star I was Trek. in undergrad. That's real Star Trek. Kind but of that was something that my students technology. brought up to me. And I was just like, that would have been really useful yeah, right. <laughs> way back when ago. But, you know, like just thinking about these things like. I'm, I'm learning about new technologies that, you know, mm -hmm. that make it easier to connect with people. I'm learning about, you know, new ways to engage with people. I am learning that the ways that I think are interesting ways to connect. If some of my students have told me, yeah, doc, we don't do that anymore. And I'm wow. like, oh, okay, I'm not that old, but you made me feel like it. All right, cool. <laughs> so, you know, like I'm, I'm learning from them about the contemporary because I'm older, I technically do things that they don't do anymore. And so that's interesting to me to see how, you know, a 10 year gap, you know, in some cases, sometimes a 12 year gap is significant. Yeah, it is. It is. It really is. Now, you come to UWO um, in a historic fashion. You are the first uh, hire in the African-American studies program uh, as a professor and uh the first African-American uh, in that uh, program, specifically hired for that program. There have been others who taught, but you're the first one who has been hired in uh, to the African-American Studies program. So that's a, a big deal. 
yeah. really, uh, here <laughs> on the campus. What do you think about the the future of the program, and what are your what do you think personally? Where would you like to see the program grow, grow, and um, what's been your impression so far? Um, I will be honest; like it's just now hitting me how significant that first is. You know, I'm coming straight out of grad school, so my main objective is get out of grad school, get a job. Yeah. Um, whenever these student loan payments roll back in, which I kind of hope they don't, <laughs> but whenever they do start rolling back, you know, like I want to be able to pay those students loans off. And so it's hitting me now, like just how significant being the first full-time hire is. You know, the program started in 69, the first minor graduated in 07, and here I was, you know, the fall of 22, in this new position and you know that's been a significant amount of time but ideally i would love to see the program continue to grow grow from program to major to department sure and so you know we're looking at we're getting more students that are signing up for the minor and so i think um, right now we have 63 students who are currently signed officially signed up as minors we're hoping to double that number and you know move from like i said from from just the program to a major and so to do that you know we're looking to increase the students increase the opportunities for students to be engaged in research you know letting them see like what does it look like to be a black studies scholar you know so mm -hmm. we're, we're we're hoping to take some students um in march to the national council for black studies conference um, and get them really engaged. And so we're hoping to do that again. We, uh, Dr. Simpson did it um, prior to COVID and this will be the first year we'll be able to do it face-to-face -face again since, um, since that. And so getting them more engaged, you know, hopefully one day the program will grow to a department. Maybe one day we'll have a, a, a master's degree. Maybe we'll one day have a PhD in African-American studies here at UWO. Like, that takes time, that takes resources, that takes, you know, extra faculty. It feels great thinking about, you know, this idea of like, oh my gosh, I was the first full-time hire. Mm -hmm. That little girl that little back girl, in Mississippi. <laughs> you know, grew up walking on red dirt roads, yeah. eating blackberries, you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, it's great being the first, but I'm looking forward to not being, you know, the, on the only full-time faculty members so being able to bring more people to to uwo you know grow that program grow the commitment grow the student engagement grow the research that's here like that's that would be my idea i think that would be absolutely phenomenal you know i'm i'm from the south so learning about you know black history and you know the, the contributions that black people have made in america you know was amazing like it was it was a norm i grew up in that type of environment and so what I've noticed being here is that like our students are kind of missing that, but the only way for them to get it is to have more people here who can give that to them. My, my specialty areas are black culture, um, black culture and, and life and, you know, media studies. We need people who can come in and talk about politics, people who can come in and teach, you know, that, that literature course that I love to be in those courses. Mm-hmm. It's not what I need to be teaching. <laughs> you know, that's not my forte. And so being able to have that type of growth and to see that grow in this type of area, um, Oshkosh itself used to be a sundown town. Mm -hmm. And so at one point in time, I would not have been allowed to be here after sundown. But to be able to change that narrative, 
how powerful would that be? Yeah. Well, I, you're already, I look forward to that. You're already a part of that change. Yeah. You're already a part of that change. And you got a lot of stuff going on for the future uh, in terms of the courses that you're going to be teaching uh, going forward and, and meeting new students and impacting the lives of, 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 of students. Um, so a great future ahead uh, for you and for the department, I think. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great. I can't wait. I want to thank you so much for coming by and talking to us today. It's been good getting to know you. Uh, getting uh, a better understanding of where uh, you are in terms of the department, uh, the program, African American Studies program, and where it's headed and where how you fit into it. Thanks so much for coming by and talking to us today. I appreciate you for having me. This has been great. Okay. You have been listening to the Black History Month Spotlight. The Black History Month Spotlight is a production of 90.3 WRST-FM in cooperation with the African American Studies program on the campus of the University of Wisconsin, Oshkosh. I'm Wendell Ray. Tune in to us again next week.